Go ahead and grab a seat. And I'm going to grab one too. Uh, some of you are wondering, like, Jesus, stool today? I don't get it. Well, from the bull riding I did yesterday, a couple spills, just a little tight. Bull riding, those big animals. Anyway, first service, there's a lot more here, but first service really liked that one. Anyway, I don't bull ride at all. I don't know why anyone would even attempt to strap themselves to an animal like that. But uh, no, really, today is just about really having more of a conversation. I thought this was fitting to sit today because I want to share some things from God's heart. And I pray that uh, as I do, that you hear the Lord speak to you very powerfully. And it's about his mercy and his compassion. We're in this series focusing on who God really is, getting rid of the misconceptions we might carry, to really focus on the truth of how he's disclosed himself in Scripture and through his son Jesus and how we can draw near to him in truth. So that's what today's about. But I want to ask you a question. You know, what is church to you? When I say just the word church. We're going to go to church today. Do you think of the warehouse? you think of the building or our new sign out front? Or, I mean, do you think of the donuts? Do you think of the, this room, the building, or do you think of the people? I would say by now most of you would just say, well, no, it's the people. It's hopefully a lot of love, a lot of grace, a lot of embracing, a lot of I can come as I am and be deeply loved. That it's not about me hiding, pretending, doing something religious. It's really about walking with God with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's fun to see people. It's fun to be encouraged. It's, it's fun to feel compassion from other people that have walked a similar journey, who understand wrestling with sin, who have been broken by the pain of life, but to be able to hold on to Jesus together and to find his healing and his hope. Well, that's what this morning is about. It's... Uh, it's about being people in process. This church is not for perfect people. You've heard that, right? Because uh, it would have all been spoiled today when you walked in, right? That was a joke too. That's not working. Maybe I didn't say that right. You know, it's just like church is not for perfect people. Thus, you get to come and be yourself. Because what would be the point of Jesus going to the cross if we felt like we had it all together and we looked down on others? Now, we know in Scripture, the Pharisees had a problem with that. They pretended they were much further along, much closer to God, much more victorious over sin than they actually were. They actually were in deep trouble, and they were far from God, and they pretended they were the leaders and closest to God. Well, this church, and I, I know every biblical church, is a place for hurting people to come and find wholeness in Christ and to grow up in Christ and become strong, not become perfect until that day when Christ returns. That's when... All the work is done in our life, right? What he started, he'll finish. But it's not finished until he comes back. Until then, we deal with this, this hereditary DNA from Adam and Eve that we're just sinful people. We have sin. We struggle with sin. But we can find victory. We can find forgiveness, mercy, compassion, the things we'll talk about today. But I hope you can relax in the presence of the Lord, looking full into the face of your Father who loves you very, very deeply and unconditionally. And so often we try to find that in this world and we come up empty. We can find people that will love us, but it's not unconditional. We can find people that will give kindness to us, but that's not a constant. Sometimes those people disappear or move away or there's a breach in the relationship. But to have a God who loves us deeply, consistently, loyally, that's what we're going to be talking about today, this God who is consistently merciful and compassionate. And what I've done is just to kind of group some verses, because I pray is you see these verses on the screen, that they'll just kind of wash over you. 
that the power of the word and the purity of the word and the cleansing of the word will remind you how awesome and powerful our God is and that he chooses to give you mercy and compassion. So we're going to look at just a few things today. Mercy and compassion. I want to give you a couple definitions. I think that helps. So we kind of are on the same page of what we're actually talking about is the character of God. One definition of merciful, to be kind or forgiving, to give kind or forgiving treatment to someone who could be treated harshly. Kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. And then compassionate means a feeling of wanting to help someone who is sick, hungry, or in trouble. That's the kind of God we have. That's not just what he does. It is who he is. It's a description of his very essence, his nature, his character. It is an attribute of God. And because that's who he is, it's what flows from him in relationship to you and me. So here are the verses that actually kind of nail this down for us. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So it's a statement of truth that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And then we're given some metaphors here, some pictures that I think help our mind change our heart about what we're really told. And it should bring you closer to the Heavenly Father who personally loves you and embraces you. That like a father has compassion on his children, the Lord gives you compassion because you are his son or daughter in Christ. You may not have had the best father or maybe there were struggles there or surely he just wasn't perfect. No father is except our Heavenly Father. He is perfectly able to give you consistent love with complete knowledge, far more knowledge than you have about yourself, with complete knowledge of you, everything you've done, everything you could be tempted to do and will do. He loves you completely with complete knowledge and actually pours out his mercy and compassion on you as a father would to a child that he deeply loves. It says that we should fear him. We should have awe and respect, right? Humility before such a God. Sometimes we don't have on respect or honor others like we should because we see a defect in them. We think, well, they're not perfect. Are they treating me like this? They said this once or they weren't there for me in this way, whether that's a father or another significant person in your life. But you can have great awe and mighty fear of this amazing, loving God who's holy and majestic and sovereignly rules this world because he's always merciful and compassionate and always will be for you and for me. As dark as your darkest day is, in the worst of your sin that you couldn't even imagine, not that you'd want to, at that moment, at that time, he will love you no less than he currently loves you right now. His mercy, his compassion doesn't change. We change. We stumble. We're in process, right? God's complete. He's eternal. He's unchanging. And his love and his compassion and his mercy reigns over us. In fact, did you pick up that word crowns? He chooses to crown you with steadfast love and mercy. The people that get crowned, other than, you know, the plastic one that your kids have in their, in their closet they like to throw on and pretend with, the crown he actually has for you is a royal crown that the king, 
the king of kings, the king himself, who rules this entire universe, this world, this country, this state, your life. He rules all and rules you, and he's called you to himself. He's chosen to place that crown of mercy and compassion on your head. Wouldn't that be a great thing if we woke up each day and look in the mirror and make sure our, our clothes match? But then we picture the fact that we have a crown resting on our head that our Father has placed there and says, it will always remain on you because that's who I am to you. I am mercy to you. I am compassionate to you and for you. That he allows you to wear something so costly, so precious, so personal. It's well-fitting to you. He knows you completely. And his mercy and his compassion rests on you. And it's glorious like a crown is. It brings attention to how awesome his love is for you. Just like that last verse says. Last verse says, because of his great love, his love is so great he chooses to crown you with a compassion and mercy that never will be tainted, never go away, and never end. It's not a mood that God gets in, because we're moody, right, as people? We can be up and down and all over the place, yeah? I mean, we can try to be loving, but sometimes we're just nasty. We don't want to hold a grudge, but a lot of times we do. We want to be loving and compassionate and merciful, and sometimes they're just mental thoughts carrying out. It's a totally different thing. God's not moody like that. His mercy and his compassion is a constant because, again, it's who he is, not just what he does. He puts that crown on you, and he says, because of my great love, I've raised you from the dead. It says it right there, right? We're dead in our trespasses. What can dead people do? Nada, nothing, zippo, zilch, big fat zero. Dead people can't do anything. That's how we should view ourselves apart from Christ. Because of our transgressions and our sin, we're dead in those things. We can't help ourselves. We can't rouse ourselves. We can't have a better day. We can't perform well enough to be perfect and acceptable to God. We're sane, stained by sin. We're dead in our trespasses. Bad news, right? Horrible news. But everyone has to face that news before they can understand mercy. Before they can really understand the blessing of God's compassion and his forgiveness and his grace. We have to face the music. It's like we're dead in our sin. Apart from God, we have this death, destruction, punishment coming. There's a reality of heaven and hell. We want to know Christ and be covered by him, right? He so greatly loved us that while we are dead and could do nothing for ourselves, that's when he chose to rescue us. And pour out his mercy and his compassion on us. He made us alive together with Christ. Christ took on our sin as the perfect lamb. He's the one who did do it perfectly because he's God. He was punished in your place, so he took the punishment of your sin. And as he was raised up in new life, we're raised together with Christ. Is that an awesome picture? Picture yourself as Christ is raised from the dead in new life in Christ with a glorious new body. We know we are going to get a glorious new body like his that we have that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. You were raised with him when you place your faith in him and that righteousness now covers you. The best thing you can do in life is to always hide yourself in Christ and in his grace and his forgiveness, his righteousness. How do those verses hit you? He steadfastly loves and gives mercy to you. He's crowned you. He's made you alive in Christ. It's pretty great love, isn't it? 
Okay, that's the truth. We got to start there. That is who God is. And he wants us to know that about his character. And the fact that that doesn't change, God's not moody. Okay, got all that? Now we can go on. A lot of people don't recognize that about him. Or they don't value that. Or they don't fully grasp it, so they're fearful of God in a way that they don't know how to go to him for mercy and compassion. That's who he is. Because that's who he is, he invites us to cry out to him for mercy. And there's another group of verses. We cry out to God for his mercy and compassion because that's who he is and that's what he offers us. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That first verse, what a picture that is, that the Lord waits. He's waiting for you to express your need for his mercy and his compassion, for you to draw close to him and his character of mercy and compassion because you know you need it. He exalts himself. He, he's excited. He's lifting himself up so that we can see him more clearly so we would want to come to his mercy and his compassion. Does that make sense? He's exalting himself to show that part of himself so that we wouldn't lack that because we're a people of need all the time, right? All the time. We're people that have needs. They just move around from one area to another. But our heart is always in need of his grace or his mercy. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. We got to cry out to him. When was the last time you cried out for God's mercy in your life? That he would give you compassion. Usually it's when you're aware of your weakness and you're honest about your sin. When you think, I'm doing pretty good, I'm more mature than some people, or I'm attending all these Bible studies, or I want to, like, actually, the more mature you are in Christ, the more you should recognize your need for Christ. Right? It's really interesting how people get that backwards. It's like, no, I study more and I do these studies and, uh, you know, I, I'm memorizing scripture. Those are all great. As long as it shows you the honest state of your heart and when it's dirty and it needs to be cleansed and when you're holding on to a sin and you're not willing to let go and you've got to struggle with an addiction or a sin or whatever is getting the best of you and instead of pushing it aside, imagining it's not really that bad or at least it's not as bad as someone else or their, their kind of sin, when you kind of just break through all that and just say, like, no, God, I'm always needy for you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And that doesn't change. I'm always a sinner in need of a Savior. But I'm blood-bought and I'm a son. I have a crown on my head which says mercy and compassion on it. I know I'm yours. You're always there for me. And I get to cry out to you with not feeling ashamed. I don't have to hide from you. I just say, God, help me out on this right now. I'm really about to blow this. I'm about to go back into the same sin. I'm about to do this, say that, Type this, text that, right? I don't want to do that. And you cry out for his mercy. Or you've done it. Yeah, you just went ahead and did it. Now what? Now you got to play the distant game with God. He hates you. That's what you think. Pull away. So disappointed in you. You've lost some of his love. How am I going to regain it? Got to perform again. Got to get back to church. Maybe clean up the outside. No, none of that. You just say, Lord... I'm coming to you, and my heart right now is hurting. It's broken. I'm confused. I'm wrestling. I'm addicted, and here it is again. And Lord, help me. I'm crying out to you. Be merciful to me, God. He hears that every time, doesn't he? He says we should come to him 
confidently. We draw near to the throne of grace. Grace is for needy people. Grace isn't for prideful people at all together. Grace is for needy people. That's you. That's me. All the time, aren't we? Aren't we? I'm seeing just six heads nod. Okay, so for everyone else, it's a good time. You can, you can agree. That's just being honest. You just go, yes, yes, yes. Yes, a thousand times yes. If we can't admit that, we don't understand mercy. We don't understand grace. We haven't received it. But when you have, it does something to your heart. It changes your heart. It softens your heart. And you don't want to sin. You don't want to do something, you know, is leading you away from God. Yeah, you do. And I do. And we struggle. But we we keep coming back because the love is so amazing because we finally got it. I got a crown on my head. What am I doing doing this with a crown of his mercy and compassion on my head? What am I doing? And finally, we start just bringing our life more in alignment with his love and his blessing. And the difficulty of sin that weighs us down starts to get pulled from our life. A lot of times, you know, we think, well, you know, if his grace is that amazing, let's just sin more. Like Paul said that. He's just like, so grace will always abound. So if sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But should I just then choose sin and just say like, hey, God, I know you'll forgive me. Hey, you know what? Heard this at church. He's merciful and compassionate. I'm going to stay right where I am. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so sad for any of us to walk out of here saying like, because of his mercy and compassion, I'm not going to pursue holiness. No, I'm going to pursue holiness because he's merciful and compassionate. And when I stumble, he's there to give a merciful, compassionate, forgiving response to me. That's the God I know. That's the God I want to walk with, right? Don't you? Why play the game? You don't need to anymore. He loves you completely, unconditionally, and deeply. Right now, that will never change. What will change is your appreciation of it. When you're singing a worship song and you got tears running down your face, you're appreciating the truth that's always been there. When you treat your spouse differently, your kids differently, or employer differently, or you forgive someone from your heart, and that's different for you, yes, it should move you emotionally, and it just reminds you, wow, he always gives this to me. I don't have to pretend for it. I don't have to beg and 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 beg for it. I just recognize it, ask him. I'm forgiven. There's mercy and compassion. He knows my frame. He knows I'm weak. He knows that about you too. Why do we hide and run? Why do we pretend so much? Because we don't believe these truths. So I'm encouraging you today, just believe what God said about who he is to you. What kind of needs can we go to him for? Like, well, for your sin. I want to give you just a couple examples. For your sin, for your physical needs, for your family needs. The first, for your sin. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Who said that? Who wrote that psalm? King David. What did he just do? He was confronted by Nathan the prophet for the fact that he was tempted and fell to his temptation to sin, slept with Bathsheba, covered it up, became deceitful, had her husband murdered. And he's crying out to God because he was convicted of the truth. And he cries out to God and he says, forgive me, right? Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your steadfast love that doesn't change. That's what I'm counting on right now. Because you get to that place and that kind of darkness, and many of you have been there, maybe you're there right now. You're going like, if his love was not steadfast, I am cooked, I am done. Lights out, game over. 
But because I can count on his steadfast love, mercy, and compassion, because that's what he says, that's who he is, I can come in my darkest moment to him and find a loving response from a father who's crowned me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in the core of your, of your being? That that's the response you'll get from him? It's true. You'll get it every time. Luke 18, 13 says, But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He was in touch with his sin. It broke him, and he went to the right place, humbly to God, asking for what? What's the word? Mercy. God, I just need your mercy. I got nothing to stand on. And what I'm standing on is sin. I got nothing. But God, you're merciful and you'll give me what I need. And remember the rest of that little parable, Jesus said, and then there's this Pharisee over there that's pretending in his robes in the, on the corner and they're shouting loud or in the temple rather, shouting aloud, making his prayer, you know, for everyone to hear. Faker. Jesus went after them. He's just like, there's no reality. It's it's a whitewashed tomb. Looks great on the outside. It's full of dead man's bones. Boy, I don't want any one of us to have a whitewashed tomb reputation but be full of death inside. We don't want that, do we? We don't have to live there. He can wipe all that clean and fill us with his Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, he has deposited his Spirit in you as a guarantee of what's to come. Heaven. But let's be honest like King David. Let's be honest like that tax collector and just say, Lord, have mercy on me. For my sin. A couple weeks ago we talked about sin. If we don't face the ugliness of what sin's like and that it's an offense to God, even the littlest sin or the greatest sin doesn't matter. All sin is an offense to God. When we don't face it, we're not honest about it. We don't really understand mercy and we can't appreciate it in our life. But when you do face it, you call it what it is, even right now, right now in your life. There's, okay, I, I heard this the other day. It's a statistic. I don't know what survey came from, but Americans do this 34 times a day on average. What do you think it is? Not Christians necessarily, but hopefully we'll do a little better than the American average. They lie 34 times a day. Exaggerating is a lie because that's not really what happened. But geez, you're kind of cornered. You're late, so you, you don't want to say you're sorry because that'd make you look stupid like you slept in, which you did. But cover it up, exaggerate it. A half lie, a complete lie, a deceit to cover up the other lies and half lies and exaggerations. And if you're a storyteller and you tend to use a lot of words, you probably do it more than the 34. Because you're talking so much, right? Like, more is going to come out. So say, okay, Lord, hopefully the, your church, your people are doing better than that average. doesn't matter what the sin is, right? Why do we compare and we rank and well, at least I, I, I haven't murdered anyone yet. I guess I'm better than David. No, you're not better than David. You're a sinner saved by grace just like him. He cried out, recognized the truth, and pleaded for this amazing, steadfastly loving God to come in and to meet his need and to restore him. Okay, so our, our sin, whenever we face it, whenever we realize it, don't bum you out, drag you down. Just be broken about it before God, but then in that same breath, that same prayer, just say, Lord, but... Thank you for your grace and mercy. You know I'm weak. You know I'm going to struggle. That'll, ha that'll continue to be a reality in my life until that day you come back for me. I'm not going to finally get there one day where I'm perfect before you return. Then I can look down on people. That'll be awesome that day. No, you'll always be struggling with sin. And the reality is he loves you right now. We don't have to play the hypocritical game. Like, you got let out of prison. Doesn't that feel good? 
I'm so excited, I'm spitting. Anyway, like you, you got let out. You don't have to go back. You don't have to pretend. It has nothing to do with your former life. Are oh, you still struggling? Of course you're still struggling. He calls you to holiness. Of course you are still making your way there. But praise God, he's helping us. His Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit lives in us. We just shouldn't grie- grieve him. We should pay attention to what he's speaking to us and not do that. Go this way, not that way, this way. And then you'll grow in holiness. But you'll still recognize, man, I'm, I'm still saved by grace. I'm still a sinner that needs this rescuing every day. Man, if you live like that, you're going to be so much more enjoyable to live with. <laughs> You'll be so gracious with your neighbors and the people at at your workplace. You're a different person when you just recognize the need that you have for mercy and compassion that he says cry out for. For your physical needs, that's the next one. So for your sin, for your physical needs, Matthew 9, 27 says, And Jesus passed on from there. As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. What would it like, be like to be blind? To know you have one shot. You hear this about Jesus. He's the one that heals. He has compassion and mercy. What if that's really who he is and he'd give it to us today? You know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to scream out for that mercy. How about you? You're going to go for it. And then they found out because of their faith and their belief in Jesus, the healer, the one who has mercy and compassion, who knew their lives who knew their isolation, who knew the cries of their heart, who knew their brokenness, and he gave them healing. Matthew 14 says Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. He did it all the time because that's who he is. We're told to ask in faith for all our needs. Ask God for physical healing. Yes, he'll either give you that now or he'll give you that in heaven. So it's coming sooner or it's coming. That's his promise. You got that. Secondly, What if it's not the healing right now physically? He said, I'll give you more grace. Paul had that exact prayer three times. God said, no for now, but I'll give you grace now. That'll be more sufficient than anything that you'll face. It'll be all you need. All right, I'll take that. Anyone in the market for that? I'll take that. Either healing now, (laughs) if not now, it's going to come later, but I'll take that sufficient grace where his power is made perfect in my weakness. I'll take that. We need that. And then it's the third area, for your family's needs. Matthew 17, 15 says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. What if you were that dad? Some of you are that dad. Some of you that are that mom right now, and you've got a kid dealing with seizures, you've got a kid dealing with a disease, you've got a kid dealing with an illness, you've got a kid dealing with emotional, mental challenges, whatever it all is, learning disability, you name it. You're that parent, and you get to cry out to the God of mercy and compassion, telling him how much need you have, and you can do it every day without feeling ashamed. Isn't that awesome? And we don't have to pretend that's not going on and let hide that from other people. This is a God who wants us to find our strength in him and our strength for our children, our family's needs, whatever those are. And when you're open enough that that's going on in your life, that's gone on in my life and my family. And it still is. You know, we're, we're wanting our kids to be fully surrendered to God. And when they're not there, we're continuing to pray. So wherever you relate to any of that as a parent, we call out on the Lord for mercy and compassion. It's hard. It's hard on them. It's hard on us as 
as parents, it's hard on siblings. It's just hard in this life until heaven will have trouble. But he said he's the one who overcomes. So we cry out like that, Dad, Lord, have mercy on my son. Have mercy on me as a parent. Have mercy on me as a son or a daughter. Wherever we need the mercy, he said he'll give it. So the third thing then is uh, giving that mercy and compassion out to others. Because when you understand that's who God is, and then you've experienced, I mean encountered, experienced it, you've tasted it, you know it, it's changing your heart, then and only then will you really be able to give it to others. So if you haven't understood the first two, just go online, listen to the message again, dig into those scriptures again. Because until you experience it, you won't be able to do this third one. Because you just won't even have a desire to. Because you're still wrapped up in your own pain, your own sin, your own selfish focus and all that. But when you've recognized his forgiveness and grace and mercy and compassion over your whole life and over even your struggles right now, when you realize that, then it can flow through you to others. So the last one is give his mercy and compassion. Give it out. Let it flow from your life. Look at this group of verses. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So the first one, you know, we're supposed to be imitators of God. We see that all through Scripture. And when we are, as we're merciful as he's merciful, as we've received it, and we give it, that builds happiness and joy. You'll feel the blessing of that. It's a promise of God. You feel fulfilled when you've known it and experienced it and you give it. Because this is this flow of love and action of God in and through and out of you and praise to God, back to God, and in and through and out of you to someone else and they praise God. Those good works, those deeds we do, that they might praise our Father in heaven, as Matthew tells us. And they do, and it lifts up God, and it shows God in you, and Christ in you, and he's doing something. And you can talk so honestly about it. He's been so compassionate with me. You have a minute? Let me tell you how. Or they start sharing, and you go, I get it. My family's been through divorce. I've, you know, had to deal with homosexuality in the family. Yeah, a cult issue in the family. Or whatever other sin, name it. Alcoholism, Whatever. Like personally, in my life, I had a brother who was 56 years, a black sheep, away from the family, causing all measure of trouble here and there at different times. But he came to Christ the last year of his life. What a turnaround. But wherever you're feeling the brokenness now or you have in the past, God will not waste your pain. And he'll use your brokenness to minister the same mercy and compassion you've needed, you've experienced, you've counted on, that you'll give that to others, to the praise and glory of God bringing focus to what Jesus can do that no other human being can do. We can represent and point people to him, but he's the healer. Amen? So look at those verses. It's like, I got to learn this. I got a desire to give out this mercy. And now I get wrapped up in, oh, well, I go to church, I do my Bible study, I do this, that. Great, but if it's not resulting in mercy and compassion, it hasn't hit your heart yet. You're gaining a lot of intellectual knowledge. Okay, cool, that's the start. But if it doesn't get to your heart, if it doesn't travel 18 inches, you're in big trouble. You could be just like the Pharisees. It's got to come out of here. has to come out of here. Do you judge people? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Anyone can judge. Anyone can be critical. Well, they didn't do this. Last time they did, they said this. They hurt me. I'm keeping track. They're more this way. I'm less this, you know. What's that? That's a game. 
That doesn't get you anywhere. Actually, you live in the own frustration of your own stew that you created. It's not, not fun. <laughs> live in the promises and in the glory of walking in his mercy and extending his mercy. It has triumph over being judgmental and critical of others. Learn what it means. Lord, keep teaching me. I don't want to think I'm sacrificing any awesome Christian. If I don't love and give mercy and compassion, I haven't learned much at all. Jesus, get me back to the start. Get me back to what you did on that cross for me. You poured it all out for me. You held nothing back, Lord. All your love was complete 100% right then. Take me back, Lord, to the beginning, what you did for me on that cross. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion that as I continue to walk, even in weakness and struggling with sin, not doing what I know to do, even though I know it and I'm wrestling, thank you, Lord, your compassion and mercy is still there for me. Once we live it, then we can give it. Maybe that'll help you remember. You got to live it. You got to experience and embrace it. Then you can give it out to others. And that's where we're kind of going to end today. Look at this last verse from Colossians 3.12. The apostle, the chief of all sinners, remember that. He needed mercy. And he said, man, you want to think of where you're stumbling in trouble? I'm the chief of all sinners. So that puts us in good company. I think we'd say like, oh, no, 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 Paul, are you kidding me? No, no. I'm the chief of all sinners. We should feel that way. Before a holy God, no, 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 I'm the chief. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a fun competition. No, I'm the chief. <laughs> but I mean, the reality of that. Anyway, these are his words. Put on then as chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. How do you dress appropriately as you go out into the relationships of your day in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, on a plane, in the supermarket, wherever. Well, you put off sin and self-focus, knowing that he loves you even though you're still not there yet. You put away the judgmentalness, the critical spirit, and you put on compassion, a compassionate heart, we're told. You put on mercy. You dress appropriately in Christ. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you're dearly loved. You are a blood-bought son or daughter of the king. You have a crown on your head. That makes you a prince and princess. <laughs> That's the right kind of self-talk, by the way. Not, you can go do it today. You're awesome. Look yourself in the mirror. You're awesome today. Go do it in your own strength. You're, you're so much better than anyone else in your office. No, you look in the mirror and you say, thank you, Jesus, that I am created in the image of God. I'm looking at a person created in the image of God. I have a crown on my head and it says mercy and compassion on it. I'm blood-bought. I have an incredible future in Christ. And because of who I am, knowing my identity, I can now give out compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I can give it all day long because I receive it all day long. If I'm really walking in the Holy Spirit, there's another need. I can give compassion to it. I can go on that Zoe walk because they're trying to stop human trafficking. I can show compassion to those girls, those boys, whatever the situation is. I can do something to show compassion. I can do something and slow down and show compassion to that person at the gym. Yes, I can. I can pull the earbuds out and I can be a human being. Yes, I can. It's not all about me getting this. You know, sometimes I work out with a number of people in town. It's so funny. So many people, they're just in their own world, man. Got to get pumping up, you know, just boom, boom, boom. Just, all right, fine. And I'm not slamming you if you do that, but like there are other human beings around. And sometimes you just go like, that's cool once in a while, but am I 
cognizant of others that I might say hi to or hear a comment back from. I've had some of my best conversations in the gym because I don't wear earbuds. Again, I'm not slamming if you do, but just be cognizant. Maybe not all the time. Maybe one in, one out. I don't know. <laughs> wear a compassionate heart at work. Wear a compassionate heart in your neighborhood. Wear the mercy and compassion of Jesus. Embrace it, experience it, wear it, and be ready to give it by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Romans 12, by the mercies of God, we're supposed to present ourselves as a living sacrifice because of his what? His mercies. He's already given them to us. We're enjoying them. We're understanding them more, hopefully from today even more. In those mercies, we should present ourselves as a living, not a dead, not because we're not dead in our sin anymore. We're alive in Christ, but we can sacrifice self to pour out his mercy and compassion on others and enjoy that inflowing cycle of the Holy Spirit and what he does in and through someone flawed like me or you to the glory of God. Want to go live that? That's what he wants today. A lot of people say, well, I just want to know God's will. Well, I just gave you some. Now we get to go live it. So we're going to have a prayer and uh, the worship team is going to come up and it's going to be a time to pour out your heart to just plea for mercy where you need forgiveness, where you need his compassion or where you already know you're forgiven but you need his strength and you just pour that out as we sing, pour that out as you give your offering. We're going to have our prayer team on both sides of the room so you can come and pray. Maybe today is your day to receive Christ as your Savior. Maybe you haven't understood his mercy or compassion. And today is your day to embrace what Jesus did on the cross for you so you could be free and healed and whole in him. So come to the prayer team. Tell them that's your need. Receive Christ and be made new, a new creation in Christ with his presence in your life and eternity to look forward to with all those that love God. Let's have a closing prayer. Father, we just thank you for these truths. They're so powerful and they're so freeing and they feel so good to our heart. God, it's just what we needed to hear today. It's so soothing. It's like a balm for those hurts, those burdens, those sins. So Lord, pour it out over us right now. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your compassion. It will never run out. And I can always count on it and count on you.